recording this now. I'm sorry. So, what are we doing today? Well, I don't know what time it is. Will someone tell me when it's like 5 after 10? Are we close to it already? We're going to do um, uh, giving you uh, a biblical standard for successful confrontation. And the reason that I went with this particular topic today, see, this is so nice. You come in, you never know what you're going to talk about. Um, is because a lot of you would check this on the sheets that I gave you for your most um, wanted sessions. And so we're going to talk about confrontation. And I'd like somebody, if they would, to read 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26, if we could have someone read that for us. Okay, thanks. 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. That may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the, of the truth. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Okay. Now let me uh, say a qualifier here before we get into this. You know, a lot of people will say, well, Pastor, obviously this is not relevant for me because these are the pastoral epistles, Right. But all scripture is profitable for instruction, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, right? That the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, anything we read in scripture is definitely um, worth our while and applicable to all of us. And besides, in my ESV, which you all love, um, it says a worker approved by God. So this is important. And, you know, when it comes to confrontation especially, when we think about who we are in Christ... Um, this is an important issue for us to get down, and it would make the church a much more loving and effective place if we all got this down right. Um, because we're all sinners, right? Amen? Yes, we're all saved by grace, right? And because we're sinners, that's all it takes to set the stage for conflict, right? I mean, we all are sinners. So let's ask this question first. Uh, the normal response of most people is to avoid conflict. Would you agree with that? I mean, people don't like conflict. People like to run away from conflict. I don't like conflict. Um, I would rather avoid it, although it's just not possible where I'm at. I'm always laying down on the railroad tracks like every day. But we don't enjoy it by nature, and especially if it means confronting someone face-to-face. You know, most of, it's, most of us would say, well, you know, maybe I'll write a letter or maybe I'll just try to, you know, talk to somebody else. But when it comes to actually having to confront someone face to face, that's not real enjoyable. Um, and we see here um, that even though we may not enjoy rebuking others, that the Bible tells us that this is one of our responsibilities. In Matthew 18, 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. So we see that if there is a problem between two people, that they're to go to one another. In Proverbs 27, 5, Solomon writes, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Um, and I think of Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, right? So we know that the Bible commands us to do this. Um, and conversely, while we often have trouble with this, none of us enjoy being rebuked by other people, do we? Um, you think you're having a good day, and then somebody comes up and says, by the way, we have a problem. Um, we don't care for that either. And yet... In Proverbs 19.25, the Bible again teaches us how profitable it is if we are wise in this. It says, the rebu- rebuke a discerning man and he will gain knowledge. Uh, 
So in other words, if we are wise in Christ, if we are discerning, we're going to stay teachable. Even when someone comes to us and wants to share something that we may not want to hear, we can learn a lot from others. Um, And I have shared this many times, but in the uh, early years of my marriage, there were some things that I wasn't paying attention to as a husband, some relational things that I really didn't understand. I was one of those husbands who thought if you put a roof over your wife's head and clothes on her back and food on the table, I'm doing my job. Any of you guys have that problem at all? And uh, I wasn't really paying attention to the relational aspects of our marriage, and it was uh, evident in my wife's demeanor And one day I was approached by three elders at the church where we were at, and they said, we love you, but we have a problem. I had no idea what the problem was. And I remember when they first began talking to me, I got aggravated. You know, I cried, you know, who do you think you are? You know, you don't know anything about this. But by God's grace, he duct taped my mouth shut, opened my ears, and I listened. And and I, I revere those three men so greatly today because of their courage and their love in approaching me and come alongside and coming alongside of me and telling me what I needed to hear and not really what I wanted to hear. And it was for the betterment of my marriage, for the betterment of my walk in Christ. And, you know, it taught me a valuable lesson that when you humble yourself under the grace of God and you listen with open ears, you can learn a lot. So, That's a little bit about confrontation. But let's talk about, we talk about rebuking people. And, you know, when I ask Christians, what is rebuke? I get all kinds of answers, you know. Oh, that's just really letting them have it, man. You know, or, uh, you know, I'm going to bring the fire of God down upon them. And, you know, um, some people get a little zealous in their idea of rebuke. But we need to get a biblical definition. And we could say that rebuke is an expression of what a person is doing wrong. It is a correction. And so when we talk about a rebuke, we're to do all things in love, right? Um, one of the, my favorite verses in Scripture for me, and maybe it is for you, is James 1.20. Anybody know that? That the righteousness or the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And what is before us? I know. Don't say it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. But the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And if we could remember this, even when we want to confront someone, we would be very well off. Now, surprisingly, the Bible tells us a lot about there are some people that we should not rebuke. And there are reasons for this. And notice, number one, we should not rebuke mockers. Um, Will someone read Proverbs 9, 7, and 8? Does anybody, can anybody grab that? Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who approves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Okay, now let's be sure to understand what the scriptures are teaching us. A mocker is literally, by definition, one who ridicules or one who will not listen. And we see that. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 14, that if you approach a house and you're not welcomed and you are scorned or spurned, wipe the dust off your feet and leave. Jesus didn't say, well, try to talk them into this, and let's try to give a better gospel presentation, become a salesman for me. Listen, if, if someone does not listen, um, then I'll shut the conversation down. Now, again, this becomes fairly obvious when we're dealing with unbelievers, because we know when we're sharing the gospel and evangelism or whatever, 
either people are going to listen or they're not. And they usually let us know pretty quickly. But in the realm of the church, this can often be a little more difficult. You know, there's all kinds of mocking that goes on in the church, all the way from subtle passive rebellion, all the way to downright arrogance and kind of in-your-face resistance. And if I sense that I'm dealing with someone who really is closed and will not listen, um, I'm not going to continue that conversation. And many times, even in counseling, I've said, you know what, when, you're, when you get your heart and your mind to the place where you want to listen, then we'll, we'll talk. But right now, this would be just very unprofitable. So we have to be very careful about this. Um, don't waste your time with those who aren't interested in your counsel. If they are spurning you, um, then our, our, our goal is not to sell them. If they're willing to reason, now if they're reasoning with you or they have questions or if, if it's a constructive argument, you all know what I mean by that. Like if someone's saying to me, but I don't get this, why is it this way? I'm going to strive with them all day long. I'm not going to just send them away. I mean, if, if, if they're willing to dialogue, I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle with them in the faith. I'm going to give reason for the hope that's within me. I'm going to try to answer their questions. But if it turns into arrogance or rudeness or if it turns into mocking, uh, like if people want to mock the faith, then, you know, you're better off just walking away. So interesting that there are situations in which we don't um, waste our time. There is another category that the Bible talks about, and that is fools. And we see that in Proverbs 23.9. Can someone read that? Okay, thank you. A fool is a person who is dull and closed-minded. Uh, this is a very serious term to label someone with. Remember, even Jesus said, call no man a fool. I mean, uh, but a fool is one who is dull-minded, a, a person who is closed-minded. Uh, they don't care what you have to say. Talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. You know, that kind of thing. So we don't want to get... Uh, involved and Proverbs twenty six four tells us why and will someone read that? Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, you can become like a fool. You know, this is like an infectious type of attitude. Mm. It's the same with anger. You'll see that the Bible says don't hang around with contentious men, angry men, because you'll become like them. Similarly, folks, don't hang around with those who are foolish, or you will pick up the ways of a fool. And it's amazing how that can be. Um, I have seen young men in the past that have gotten into with bad company, and they were nice young men or women, and in no time they were just like the crowd they ran with. That's a very serious issue. Parents, this is a warning to you. Know who your kids are hanging out with. Understand what they're doing all the time. Okay? You lay down with dogs, you're going to wake up with fleas. And you want to make sure that your kids are choosing their friends wisely. Now, who should confront? Proverbs 27, 6. And, um, or who should be rebuked, rather? Proverbs 9, 8. Who can read that? We're in kind of in Proverbs, so we can hang around in there for a little bit. Who should confront? Do not correct the scoffer, lest he hate you. Rebuke the wise man, and you will love 
Okay, a wise man is the person that should be doing confronting. Now, you may think, okay, if I'm going to confront somebody, I, I, I should do it with a spirit of wisdom. What do we mean when we say wisdom? What, what does that mean? How, what, how does that qualify us in confronting someone? What is, what is wisdom? Having the biblical understanding as to how to approach them. Okay, that's about 90% of it. What, what, how do we pro approach a person with the spirit of wisdom? With the fear of the Lord. Okay, with the fear of the Lord. But with an understanding, it's twofold. First of all, we have the knowledge to understand what we're confronting. And the wisdom then comes into what we need to do about it. Okay, in other words, it's not just having the knowledge. It's understanding what to do with the knowledge. Knowledge applied. Knowledge applied. We could say wisdom is knowledge applied. When Solomon prayed for wisdom, remember, before he became king, he was praying not only for the fact that he would have the knowledge of being a king, but how to apply God's word in ruling the kingdom. And this is what delighted the heart of the Lord. So here's what we want to make sure of. You know, we have to be careful that we don't approach someone too quickly without really thinking through what it is that we want to say. In other words, we want to be solution-oriented, right? We don't want to go and say, you know what? You are a real sinner. You're doing this, this, and this. Well, what should I do about it? I don't know, but you better stop. That's not what we want to hear. Okay, we want to know, okay, how do we apply the text? And again, this is what counseling is, is how do we, how do we bring to light moving forward? Also notice that the discerning man um, should be one who approaches. In other words, we can discern good from evil, right and wrong. There are too many Christians today, beloved, that are biblically illiterate. And I'll tell you, that is a dangerous combination when you're wanting to counsel someone and you're biblically illiterate. We should do all we can to know the scriptures. Listen, you don't have to be a theologian to counsel. In fact, we're all admonished to counsel. Every single one of us, if we're believers in Christ, we're all called to do this. Not just pastors or leaders, every one of us. But you know what? It's worth it to take the time to be studied in the Word, show yourself approved, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's within you so you can speak about an issue. So this is saying to approach, like the ones that should be rebuked are the wise and the discerning, or is it saying the ones doing the rebuking? The ones that are doing the rebuking. This says who should. Oh, I mean, who should be? Yeah, wise man and discerning. Yeah, but that works both ways. That we, yeah, it works both ways, and I probably didn't get that up there clearly. But although we did put, I, I guess it's the next one. Who should confront? These slides, you can tell I made these, can't you? Okay. And the who should confront? Basically goes back and forth, but I got it out of order there. Okay, so what I want to get into here is guidelines to confronting others, okay? When we're going to confront others, first of all, we need to examine our motives. And here is the motive. Remember that the goal in confronting someone, restoration is the goal in confronting, okay? Not revenge. We're not confronting to get revenge, it's for restoration. And we see this in Galatians 6.1, where Paul says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, 
You who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. The goal of any confrontation in the church is always for restoration. If you are confronting someone to destructively hurt them, to cut them down, to discourage them, then you should not speak because you're already amiss in what you're about to say. Secondly, notice we need to examine our own lives, Matthew 7, 4, and 5. And here, Jesus says, How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we see here, first of all, we need to examine our own lives. You know, oftentimes we can get caught in hypocrisy, can't we? We can uh, be guilty of trying to correct someone else for the very thing that we're guilty of. Or we're not living above reproach in an area, and so we're trying to correct someone else. So always good to examine your own life. And this isn't sinless perfection. But it means that to the best of our ability, we're in a state where we're living above reproach. This one we teach in biblical counseling, the six rules of communication. This is one of them. Choose the right time. Proverbs 15.23, how good is a timely work? You know, this is so important. There is a time to say something and a time not to say something. So like I've used in my counseling examples, you know, if, if you're coming back from a funeral... Um, that wouldn't be the time to tell your wife, you know, I've been thinking about how disorganized you are in the kitchen. Right? Bad timing. Very bad timing. And um, so, you know, we want to make sure that our, our timing is right, that we're not distracted, that we have time to give to this. Um, then choosing the right words. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may be beneficial to those who listen. Ephesians 4.29. Words can be the most cutting and destructive things on the planet. In fact, words have done more damage to the human race than all the bombs, missiles, and bullets put together. Words can be very, very destructive. So we need to be very careful in our speech. then be prepared to suggest a biblical solution. Jesus said, Yet I hold this against you. You have forgotten your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Jesus here was talking to the church at Ephesus, and remember he said, I have this against you. Remember the seven churches of Revelation that were addressed in Revelation 2 and 3. And to each church, Jesus had an admonition. And to the church at Ephesus... He said, I have this against you. You have left your first love. In other words, I, I'm bringing a charge against you, but I'm telling you what it is. And I'm giving you a biblical solution, right? But one of the great things about the Lord is that he says, you've left your first love, but he doesn't just stop there. He says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do these things first. So he didn't just leave the church at Ephesus hanging. And, and, and that's what we want to do too. Um, we want to make sure that we are prepared with a biblical solution and that we're trying to, again, focus on the problem and not the people. Isn't that oftentimes why we get in trouble as well? We, 
go to confront someone and we don't really think about the problem. We attack the person. And here's what happens when you do that. You attack the person and you shred them up over here and here's the problem. That doesn't get touched. At the end of your conversation, you're exhausted, you're hurt, you're separated, and the problem's still sitting here as big as ever. Yeah, I completely like see that in um, understanding the fact that sin is, we could separate sin from the physical human body, from the person, and understanding that it's the sin that we need to confront biblically, and also recognizing what we talked about, what was it in, um, in Matthew, where we inspect the sin in our own lives, which helps us reflect on biblically helping our brothers and sisters. Yes. Absolutely. It is a struggle. You know, it's, 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 it's amazing. We can sit in a classroom and all agree and amen and amen. <laughs> yeah. and, and, but when we get out into the, into the real world, so to speak, um, you know, these can be challenges. But that's why we need to remember these ahead of time. Um, you know, we need to be prepared and we need to think through. Um, one of the things about Jesus is that, you know, I think of when Jesus confronted the rich man who said, you know, what must I do to enter the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus told him all these things. And finally it got down to, you know, sell all you have, give half to the poor, come and follow me. It boiled down to Jesus was saying, look, unless you're willing to sacrifice everything for me, you can't follow me. And, you know, he broke it down until this man had to confront himself with a biblical truth and either he would accept that or reject it. And, of course, in that case, unfortunately, he walked away. And as he walked away, he didn't call back to give him a softer gospel. No, he didn't. He didn't call back and say, wait, 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 let's discuss this. Let's talk about it. In fact, after that, he said it is easier to put a camel through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so the next thing we see is confront with a gentle spirit. I have the gift of hostility. Anybody else have that gift? You know, this is, this is always something that I have to, like, burnish on my forehead, you know, like do it in a gentle spirit. And I always said that, you know, Pastor Ron is, is, is a master at this. He's so much nicer than I am. You know, that's the thing. Um, he does this so well. You know, he's got a, a real shepherd's heart, a, a pastoral heart. And, you know, this is a, he's a great example. I, I try to be, a, okay. let me be your number two guy here, okay? Um, but, but Pastor Ron does this great. But we do need to confront with a gentle spirit. You know, the, the, again, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And it doesn't, when we get angry and out of control, anybody ever see that work? I haven't. And we wind up hurting our brothers and sisters or we hurt our spouses or family. Um, we have to be careful of that. We are servants. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think part of the reason why it's better to do it in person True. Tone. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they can't see the yeah. sorrow in your eyes yeah. over. Yeah. You know. Yeah, you know, Sabrina, I'm glad you brought that up because that is so important. You know, when, when we have to confront someone in ministry, I will do everything I can not to do something like that over the phone, mm -hmm. if I can at all avoid it, or to do it by letter or email. I will do everything I can to get it because there's something that's conveyed face to face. Mm -hmm that just can't be conveyed any other way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think your body posture, your tone, the way that you approach it absolutely plays into that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't be afraid of that. You're far better to do something like that face-to-face -face because you can convey more, um, 
of your feelings and your desire to help. So that's a good thing. Remembering, too, that we're a servant. Uh, we're under the control of Christ, so we don't, we're not taking it upon ourselves to just run off, you know, on our own uh, admonition and do what we want. Um, and, and then following the commands of Jesus, again, are not optional. We're here to honor Christ and to be called to do what he tells us. I'm yes. Oh, it's five after. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, for things like that, I agree. Unless you want to, you know, wire me money, um, I would say try to see me. <laughs> I'm just kidding, by the way, for all of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just say these things, you know. Uh, I agree. I think avoid it altogether for us. Try to be one on one here. Okay, gentle confrontation. Okay, here's the don'ts, what we don't do. Number one is to quarrel, and that is to dispute violently, to break fellowship, useless argumentation. Have you ever been involved with someone where you get into this mode? That things kind of degenerate and it just becomes a, a quarrel, it becomes a, an argument where you don't get anywhere? Um, this should not characterize us. Uh, we've read 2 Timothy, let me read James 4, 1 and 2. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something and you don't get it, so you quarrel and fight. When you are in this situation, either you or the other person has been totally taken over by pride. If you're in a quarreling situation, if you're in argumentation, because what causes quarrels and anger when we don't get our way? When someone doesn't live up to our expectations? Okay? Or when they you know, again, don't meet the requirements that we have set down in our own mind. So be careful of that. Um, another don't is to be resentful, which is bearing evil, bear evil without resentment, and it's being tolerant. Now, let's talk about this word tolerant, because this is often misunderstood. You know, oh, well, I guess I'm just supposed to let them believe it. You know, we hear the age of tolerance today, which really isn't, right? Those that say they're most tolerant are typically not tolerant at all. When we're talking about tolerance in a biblical fashion, we're talking about the ability to endure adverse conditions. Okay, we're not talking about tolerating sin. We're not talking about going soft on the gospel. You know, we're not talking about evading the truth. We're talking about enduring adverse conditions. And sometimes we find ourselves in adverse conditions, don't we? And we're striving, we're bearing with others. Tolerant, is that the same thing as long-suffering? Yes, it is. Very similar, absolutely. And in fact, the Greek, it's very similar. Tolerance and adverse conditions are very similar. Are um, long-suffering, rather. Go ahead. I'm tolerance, sometimes it's, like, it's, the it's also like the difference between trying to be a peacekeeper or a peacemaker. Yeah. In other words, sometimes yeah. you want to keep the peace at any cost. Yeah, yeah. Is there a cost to real, true peace? Yeah. Absolutely. You know, years ago, any of you come out of an Arminian doctrine? I mean, any of you years ago? Okay, most of us probably. <laughs> I remember when I was struggling with Calvinism, I was struggling with the doctrines of grace, and, and one of my best friends became a PCA Presbyterian pastor, and I'm thinking, Andy, how could you do this? <laughs> and I remember sitting down with him one day, and he was starting to talk to me about election. And if you know this pastor, he, you know, Andrew in the Bible and, and Andy, they were similar. He had the perfect name because I remember he started talking about election. 
And I jumped up and I said, that is the dumbest thing I ever heard. That cannot be right. And I was, and he just sat there very calmly. And he said, well, you know, Jack, you know, let's, let's look at the scriptures, you know. And, and I don't need to look at the scriptures. This is squirrely, you know. And he just sat there very calmly. And he just kept talking. And he said, well, here I've got a, a book by R.C. Sproul. It's called Chosen by God. Why don't you read this, you know. I'm not reading this book. I'm going to, I read it to shred it. And it shredded me. Um, but, you know, the thing, and I've gone back to him many times over the years, and I said, Andy, praise the Lord that you were so long-suffering with me. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have stood up and said, you know what, Jack, this conversation's over. Mm-hmm. He kept a smile on his face. You know, he realized I was struggling with this, and he just was as calm as could be. Mm-hmm. And eventually, the truth sunk in, and, you know, I, I owe him the rest of my life. I mean, I, you know, I bring him gifts and offerings every time I go see him. <laughs> yes. Somebody, I thought it was, yes. He could have uh, said to you, well, the Bible tells me not to rebuke the mocker and leave you there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He could have said, well, you know what, you're, and he would have had probably every right to do that. But, you know, I, I thought of this, you know, he, he wasn't resentful towards me. He wouldn't engage in the core, you know, he didn't get involved in a, well, let me tell you kind of thing. He just kept preaching the truth. Saying, well, let's consider this, you know, and I thought, man. So, anyway. I'm always on the wrong side of things. You ever notice that? I learn everything the hard way. That's why I'm probably counseling is so natural to me because I've done it all wrong first. Okay. <clears throat> the do's. The do's. Be kind to everyone. All right. Gentleness, as we saw in Galatians 6.1. Um, restore such a one who is in sin. This is very important. Um, it's, it's a word used in secular Greek for setting broken bones, something that Ceci is very attuned to right now, right? Restoring her arm to good health. That poor thing broke her arm. Ceci, I'm so sorry about that. Um, we're to restore. Um, we're to bring them back to a state of civility in Christ. We're to bring them back to a spirit of gentleness and unity within the body. Pastor, I think of the, you know, the beam and the twig. Yes. The beam is so much bigger than the twig. Yes. And I think after you've taken the time to take it out, you're going to come back with gentleness and say, mine was worse than yours, and I know the pain it was to take it out. Oh, absolutely. You come back to your brother and, and with a gentle heart. Absolutely. And say, yours is just a lot smaller than mine, but have you noticed? Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that goes a long way. You know, when you're angry at somebody or you're upset and you're dealing with someone who's as cool as a cucumber and talks to you calmly and rationally, isn't it amazing how that brings you right down? Mm-hmm. You know, when you're angry at someone or someone's angry at you and they're upset or whatever, when you respond in love, that disarms everything. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why when Peter cut off the, the, the ear of Malchus the slave, remember, and Jesus restored it, he said, Peter, this isn't the way. You want to be part of my kingdom, this is not the way we're going to overcome. And that's often what we have to remember, though. That, you know, when we respond in love, sometimes that can just diffuse things so quickly. And then being able to teach. This is important as well, that we, when we confront, and this is important for you parents, listen carefully here. When you confront, you want to be able to teach because the value of that is that you are putting the authority off of you and onto the Word of God. So, for example, parents, when I corrected my children, 
And they would say, Dad, how could you say that? I would say, I didn't say that. And I would take them to the Word, and I would stand on the promises of the Word, and I would say, this is what God, as your Father, has directed me to do. It's amazing how that changes the playing field. You know, I wanted my children to know that I had authority over them, and they did understand that. But I wanted them to know that my authority came from the Word of God, that I'm standing on the principles of God's Word. And I said, listen, we believe wholeheartedly in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe in the Word, and that's what we're going to follow. And it's amazing how much volatility that takes out. So if you teach from that perspective, it makes such a difference. And then, of course, to be solution-oriented. Let's see, where am I here? Notice we're to gently instruct. We are not to sidestep issues. Um, but gently confront. Listen, the worst thing you can do when you confront someone is to be dishonest. You know, oftentimes we tell half-truths because we really don't want to tell the whole truth because we don't want to hurt somebody, or we will sidestep an issue and they're trying to guess and grope, well, what's wrong? You know, well, you know, it's maybe not a big thing, but, you know, how many of us have been in that situation, right, where it doesn't really get, listen, You have to be honest. We speak the truth in love. If you have a concern, you don't want to dance around that. Now, we're we're never to be rude or or, uh, disrespectful, but we need to be honest. And we need to gently confront a wayward sinner, but we have to be able to speak the truth. It's cruel and unusual to do anything else, isn't it? I mean, I've had people talk to me and, you know, they'll have a problem and I'll say, well, what's the problem? Well, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal. Well, what's the problem? Well, you know, I don't think it's so much. It, and, and, you know, you go around in circles and you really walk away. Husbands and wives, how many times you hear this? What's, what's the matter? Nothing. Uh, unless there really is nothing wrong, don't do that. Okay? Be honest. Be loving. Put your arms around your spouse and say, here's the problem. Kiss me first and I'll tell you. <laughs> and for you single people, uh, let, me, let, me go to plan, sorry, let me go to plan B here. Um, take him by the hand and say, here's the problem. Okay, I'm going to stop there because we're going to get into intended results and I want to spend a little time there and I know we talked a little bit earlier. So uh, if you bring these notes back next week, that will be helpful. And since we're out of time, um, I'm trying to be conscientious here.